Hey, let's turn in our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1 today. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. We're beginning a four-part series on this Sunday, and I'm pretty excited about the series because it's being Christian. Today we're talking about Christian belief and what that constitutes, and next week we'll talk about Christian living, and uh, we'll go through the series, including our Christian ministry and our Christian community that God has given to us. Four weeks, I'm really pretty pumped about that. So Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and the foundation of all that we are, all that we believe, and all that our life is built upon. Our faith and our trust is given to Jesus. In fact, if we remove him from the foundational piece of our life, our lives will come crashing down. Not just in this life, but in the eternity to come as well. So it's so essential that you and I understand the foundation that is laid for us in Scripture. And the foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, for those of you who have graduated, some of you are moving on into the workforce and your careers will begin. Uh, some of you, maybe you've already begin, begun your careers. I encourage you to do that and have the greatest witness for Jesus Christ ever in the field that you have chosen to pursue. Some of you are moving on to other education and you'll be into colleges and universities. And I can tell you with all certainty, because I've been exactly in those places, the enemy is going to come against the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. And he is going to try to take hammer and chisel to everything that your life has been constituted on and built on and faith in. And he is going to try to remove that. And I'm just encouraging you in the name of Jesus Christ to stay true, to stay firm, to stay committed to who you are in Christ and you might be challenged I encourage you to be challenged and when you're challenged you go back to the scripture and you figure out what you believe because God says it in his word that is not with error it is completely pure in the way that God has given it to us you can go back to that and reground yourself now the world is going to give you a lot of opportunities to build your life on something other than God and the treasures of his truth and you're going to hear that over and over, that success and affirmation and possessions all are the makeups of success. But I'm going to tell you, all those things will not help you to stand before the holy fire of God on the day of judgment. And he sees you in your nakedness with his all-peering eye. Your successes and your ambitions that have been accomplished and all the things that you possess will mean nothing in that day. But what you know... And what you believe and what you have had held to all the days of your Christian life is what you will have before him, namely the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses you from all unrighteousness and that his righteousness has been credited to you and your grounding, your faith is on Jesus Christ and him crucified, resurrected, and has then thereby returned. So God insists that our lives are founded on Jesus Christ and that everything we build in our lives comes from that foundation of Jesus Christ it's a mandate from God but now let's look at Colossians chapter 1 it's one of the three or four passages that we're going to point to today in this section we're going to learn about Christian living and believing and if you go to chapter 1 verse 21 you'll find one of the meteor sections of scripture that constantly feeds us it constantly gives us uh, nutrition for our faith and living. 
the whole book of Colossians is one of those that the Spirit of God draws me back to regularly, and I hope it is one for you as well. Most particularly the first chapter, the preeminence of God. It's the section that we've been memorizing. If you've been following through the memory and the reading plans of, the, of Meadowbrook, you, you've memorized this section of Scripture. In verse 21, it says, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, you can see from the screens right now, there's uh, three different tenses that are used in this passage that will help us to lift out some truths. One is there's a previous understanding a past tense measure of our lives you were once alienated you were once hostile in your mind to God to the things of God to the law of God to the commands of God you were once that and then of course there's that present condition which has a continuous action to it you were reconciled and in the reconciliation of God which took place on the cross our faith is that God had placed all of our sin upon his beloved righteous son the one who knew no sin became sin and he reconciled us before God how does he do that he takes the debit of our lives our sin and the debt which is owed to a just God and he puts that upon his own son on the cross and Christ dies to accomplish the penalty and the justice that was rightly due us in our sin and the reconciliation goes more than that he then gives us credit by faith of all the righteousness of Christ so we've been made reconciled in Jesus Christ so that we are presented holy blameless and above reproach before him there's no way to stand before a holy God who is altogether truth and be proclaimed as holy or proclaimed as righteous or blameless if it's up to us there's no way that I can overcome, no way that I can do away with the sin that I've already committed, nor the sin that I will commit in the future. But Jesus Christ can, and Christ can reconcile. And that is what has happened. He is now reconciled. But now, look at this subjective part. If indeed you continue, here's a conditional sentence. If you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, stable means grounded in, it's um, being rooted down into, and um, this next word, steadfastness, means an, an unmovability. It's, it's not moved from. So we are grounded in Christ, and we are unmoving to the things of Christ if we are in faith, steadfast, and uh, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Now you see where Paul's going. You and I often think about who we once were apart from Christ and who Christ has declared us to be but the Spirit of God through Paul's letter here wants us to also be concentrating on remaining to be continuous in your faith to be steady and steadfast stable to be grounded in the things of Christ to continue in that that we would have the 
foundation of Christ and the foundation would be built on and the built on of the foundation of Christ would be the continued obedience to the teachings of Christ and to be steadfast and, and not moving, grounded in those things. So according to Colossians 1, continuing in faith is a mark of genuine faith and evidence of genuine faith is steadfastness, stableness, those are marks of people who are genuine in their faith. In other words, the genuineness of being in Christ is expressed by the continuance of faith in Him, which is evidenced by the stability and the steadfastness that we demonstrate on a regular basis. Now, God has been generous to help us. He gives us mainly two great helps as we come into faith in Christ and as we continue in faith in Christ. And that's really the crux of the message today is to point you to those two simple things that God has given to us to bring us to faith and to help us to build and continue in our faith. And that is the Bible and the church. Those are the two things. For you who are graduating, uh, we encourage you to continue in your faith, continue reading your Bible. Read it not just as a practice, but read it as one who recognizes that it is a living word meant to help develop you into Christ's likeness. It is the way that the Holy Spirit will continue his sanctifying work in you. The primary way is by you reading the Bible. Read it as if it's a mirror and you're looking at yourself through the pages of the Bible, and one who looks at himself in a mirror and does not fix what he sees is pretty foolish. So one who reads the Scripture, sees himself in the Scripture, what needs to be addressed and corrected will be, and what needs to be affirmed will be as well. So read it in that way, and get connected in a church. Now, I'm just going to tell you, when your mama says, come home, and when your daddy says, we need some you time, when you're ready to come back home, which I hope is a regular basis, every parent in here hopes that that'll be on a regular basis. Call before you come, <laughs> but, but come on, come on home. And when you come home, come to, Met to Meadowbrook, come to this church. And when you're not here and you're at the university, you're at the college, or you're in your workplace, wherever you are, go to a Bible-believing, truly engaging church. Be involved in your church, not just attending, but ministering and being ministered to. So here's the two things that God has given to us to really help us to come to faith and to remain steadfast in our faith, the Bible and church. Here's the passage on the Bible. Could have been several, but I've chosen this one out of 2 Timothy. But as for you, he writes to Timothy, continue what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Now, what are the sacred writings? The sacred writings are the Old Testament scripture. Timothy grew up with the covenant of God in the Old Testament. I can tell you with all certainty, if we did not have the New Testament, but praise God we do. If we did not have the New Testament, somebody could genuinely understand the gospel message and the Messiah Jesus Christ you could understand in fact if I if I didn't have all the other books of the Bible and I only had Genesis somebody could really come to faith genuine faith in God that he would send the Redeemer through a one born of a woman and that Messiah would come and somebody could come to faith in God in fact that's the way the Old Testament saints of God came to faith 
and were saved they were saved by faith but we have the old testament and we have the new testament as well but when paul is writing this letter to timothy he only had the sacred writings of the old testament so he says those things that you knew from childhood you've been acquainted with them the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in christ jesus God has given us great measure by which we can come to faith in Christ Jesus, come to faith in Him, and the Scripture, God's holy word, the Bible, is the measure by which that comes about. This is God's plan for you and me to come to know Him personally and to be in relationship with Him as sons and daughters of Him, the Most High God. He goes on to say in in chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God it's from the expression of God. It is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God, and that's inclusive, that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you see the first part of that, Paul says, Timothy, it was the sacred scripture that brought you to an understanding of salvation. And now, Timothy, it is the scripture that will bring you to this understanding of greater teaching reproof correction and training and righteousness that you and everybody who is in faith can be complete thoroughly equipped for all the things that God has called us to be part of and called us to do the scriptures will lead you to faith and the scriptures will help you to remain in your faith steadfast and stable at all times be people of the Bible Meadowbrook ought to be known as people of the Bible I'm heading off to Israel at the end of the month, and I'm going to see a, now a friend of mine. His name is Uval Sakid, and I remember first meeting Uval, and I told him where I pastor and uh, about our church, and, and at that point, he recognized we were a Baptist church. He said, oh, Baptists, you people are of the book. You people are of the Bible, aren't you? I said, oh, Uval, there's nothing that I would want to be known more for than to be people of the book, people of the Bible because that's where our salvation is discovered and that is certainly where our salvation is continued and built up on from the pages of the Bible that's one of the ways that God helps us the second way is the church in Ephesians chapter 4 the Bible tells us how the church is meant to to build us in our faith and give us confidence in the scripture of salvation and confidence in the ministry of God look what he says in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 13 And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Let me pause here for a moment. In the order that God has brought about the church, he has given the church all that was needed at the time to be developed. First, it was the apostles, the 12 apostles of God, the commissioned one by Jesus Christ, and they gave us the teachings of Jesus. They recommunicated to the church and through the pages of the Bible, the teachings of Christ, the prophets were also very active in the early church, and they gave us the Holy Scriptures. And we're grateful to that. So he gave us the apostles and the prophets and evangelists who were mobilizing the gospel around the world. They started in Jerusalem, and as you know, they continued. The gospel continues all around the world. And now we see that what God has provided for the church today is through pastors and teachers and listen pastors and teachers are meant to be proclaimers of the bible i don't teach you anything but the bible that's my goal that i won't teach you what i'm learning from somebody else i won't teach you habits for a highly successful people i I won't teach you things that that might be uh, fit well in the world what i want to teach is the bible 
And when you go to life group, we want our life group leaders to teach the Bible. And when we have discussion in our D groups, we want the, the conversation to be about the Bible. When we encourage each other, it ought to be about the Bible, the things we memorize, the Bible, the songs we sing, the Bible. We ought to be rooted and grounded in the teaching of the Bible, individually and collectively. And that builds up the church. In fact, he says the church is built up by the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So in this passage, we're recognizing what God is doing he is developing us in our faith, building us on the foundation of Jesus Christ with the scripture. And he's using people and he's using his holy word, the Bible, to build up that we might be ministers engaging in the truth of the Bible and ministering in the words of the Bible. And we're going to continue to gather together, Meadowbrook, we're going to continue to gather together until all that is satisfied that God has said needs to be satisfied and what is that that is that we would have unity of faith knowledge of the son of god mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of god all right you and i can quit church for one of two reasons one jesus christ comes to gather the church and all the saints together in the cloud to meet the lord in the air and secondly when you have the fullness of Jesus Christ when you have come in stature to the fullness of Jesus Christ I'm banking on the first one I'm banking that the Lord is going to call his church to himself and I'm going to continue to come to church whether I'm preaching or not I'm going to continue to come to church because God is working in me by the Holy Spirit and by the word and by the church the body of Christ to the fullness of Christ I hope I will be more and more mature every year because God is at work in the life of his church and the proclamation of the scripture and the engagement of the people so you and I need to be active and engaged in church life until the Lord comes for us and calls us to meet him in the air as 1 Thessalonians 4 says and he will do that in his prescribed time until that we're working to maturity we're sensing what he's doing and we're engaged in that. We're saying yes to him all along the way. So out of God's love for us, he has called us and gives us every means necessary to come to faith and to grow in faith. And those two primary ways that he helps us is through the Bible and through the church. They're vitally important. Now listen, if God has brought such great help to us in the Bible and the church, I can tell you, that the enemy is coming against those very things to try to dismantle faith, try to interrupt people from coming to Christ in faith, and try to interrupt people from being stable and steadfast in their faith in the truth of God's word. Now, I only read the first part of that section of Ephesians chapter 4, but let me reread it, but I want to concentrate on the latter verses that I did not read to you a moment ago. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ 
so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves that carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So if you remember, what God has called us to is to have a foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. You with me? And from that foundation, we are stable and steadfast. In other words, we are not moving. We are grounded into that, and we are growing from that. Everything that is grown from that is going to be measured by God. And so he's made sure that through the pages of the Bible, we can grow by the instruction of the Holy Spirit who reminds us of all the teachings of Christ and gives us understanding of them and empowerment to engage them. We can grow in our faith, but you and I ought to know that the, the Scripture warns us that the enemy is coming, and he is coming against the church, against the saints of God, hoping that they will not mature in their faith, hoping that they will be tossed to and fro rather than stable and steadfast, hoping that every wind of doctrine will blow against them and they will crumble, and that human cunning and deceitful schemes by the enemy, by people, will bring about some destructive measure of all that God has been building up. So out of God's love for us, he calls us and gives us the means necessary, but the enemy is coming against that and I'm here to say to Meadowbrook, hold true. Hold true. Hold true to what we believe. Hold true to the scriptures. Hold true to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And know that the enemy is ever trying to dismantle that, to break that down and to tear and disrupt all that God is building up in us. Now listen, your eyes are not to be on the enemy you and I should keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. But Jesus says, be watchful. All right, don't go around looking for the enemy and his horde. Look to Jesus. Be watchful. He, here's what the Bible says. Be sober-minded. Be clear in your thinking. Be clear in your understanding. Don't, don't be confused. Don't be muddled. Don't be controlled by anything else be sober-minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour now look at this verse 9 the beginning of it resist him firm in your faith so be watchful resist him when he is coming against you and the resistance is best when we are firm in our faith what, what a challenge that God has given us in his word. Now, remember, the enemy attacks in multiple ways. I'll just mention a few of them, but I could go through a dozen of them easily from the scripture. He attacks the truth of God with lies. He comes against people with temptation. He brutally attacks those who are advancing the kingdom of God, oftentimes. He takes the word of God from people and he tries to choke out faith in people specifically those who are new in their faith or weak in their faith or immature in their faith the enemy's attacks are powerful no doubt but my friends Jesus Christ is even more powerful and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and God says you can resist him that you can be firm in your faith so our resistance against the attacks of the enemy 
is directly linked to the firmness of your faith. You are going to come against many times the adversary and those who work at his bidding, they're pawns of his. You are going to be conflicted by them. I'm here to tell you, you have a greater opportunity to resist in those times when you are firm in your faith. And your firmness in faith is developed by the scriptures and by the church. Primarily, there are other ways that he builds in us great confidence of our faith and understanding of our faith. But he gives us those two as a primary means of help. Let me alert you to something. The devil's schemes are often very difficult to spot. He doesn't send out a bulletin to let any of us know of his impending attack. He is a schemer, the Bible says. And that brings a lot of confusion to us at times because when you and I sense his movement against us, we are often viewing one one issue, one circumstance, one situation, or maybe a culmination of them. But my friends, when you and I are viewing that and we think that's the attack of the enemy, no, no, a schemer is thinking way in advance. A schemer is saying, here is one step among many to bring about the destruction of that family or those people or that person or that church. When you and I are focused here, the enemy is way far ahead. He's a schemer. So you're going to have a very difficult time figuring out the attack while it's happening. Here's what God says. Resist it by being firm in your faith. That's where you'll, you'll stand when you are firm in your faith. Keep your focus where it ought to be. Now, as Jesus has warned us, Oftentimes, the attack comes from a direction that you and I are not anticipating. In fact, Jesus says that there will be false prophets who will come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. In other words, they will have the appearance like the saints of God, and they may even use the same vernacular as the saints of God. They may even do it on the Sunday morning when the saints of God are gathering. They may even do it in the name of God. They may even do it in a place called a church building. But God says, be careful because many of them will come against us. They're wolves, but they will have sheep's clothing. I'm here to say that oftentimes the attack comes from organized Christianity, so-called Christianity. And we ought to be very careful privy to that insight and understand that God has warned us one of the major attacks that comes to the church and the people of the church comes through preaching and music and those are the two things that we are endeared to the most we are endeared to music praise and worship music and we are endeared to the preaching in fact that's the primary thing that we do on Sunday morning we pray we preach we worship we fellowship among those two we elevate and most importantly so preaching and music of worship and we pray that God would give us wondrous glorious worship and rightly stated truth from preaching as well but my friends I've got some troubling news for you I've got some news that uh, will sort of rock your world I've got news that not everything that is being proclaimed and not everything that is being sung is of God. In fact, 
Some of it is like rabbit's wolves disguised in sheep clothing. Some of it is not of God at all. In fact, if you're listening to the genre worship music or praise music on your iPhone or your Android or whatever listening device you have, and you're listening like I do on Spotify, and you do a search on worship, the search is going to give you multiple things by which you can choose from. If you click a playlist, it is probable that that playlist is going to include things that have come from a ravenous wolf to bring about your destruction, to bring you to a, a heretical way of thinking. And you and I need to be very alert to that. If you're just tuning into the radio because the radio says it's Christian radio, then you need to be absolutely on guard for the enemy is moving around looking who he may devour and the seeds of untruthfulness and a false doctrine are being sown in many ways by many different hands and we ought to be very much on guard of that over the past several months uh, God has just really stirred in me to check to fact check the songs that I would just listen to can I just be honest with you very transparent with you for a moment in my playlist were regular songs that if you take the lyrics without the song, you'd say, well, that's not what I believe at all. But because the music sounds good and it comes from the genre of worship or praise, we sort of kind of move along with it. I, I say just look at the lyrics. Measure the lyrics to God's holy word. Measure what is given to us in the sacred scriptures. Measure it out and see if what you're listening to is right and true and pure. Unfortunately, the, many of the Christian bands in worship and the worship genre are rooted in heretical churches from heretical pastors that teach horrendously false doctrine. If you're listening to music like Jesus Culture or Bethel Music or even the music of Hillsong, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that you're listening to music that is often heretical. Now, you can produce for me a song. You say, Randy, what is wrong with this song? Well, listen, I can't tell you that every song that they sing has untruthfulness in it. If that were the case, nobody would listen to it. But because some of it does and some of it doesn't, people, unassuming, get locked in. And once you get locked in, the teachings begin. I did not attend the recent concert for Hillsong that was in Birmingham, but my guess is uh, there was more than just singing. It's Hillsong's practice to sing and to proclaim the truths that they propagate out of their, their church. And uh, you would say, well, I really like that music. I get it. You like the style. And I like the sound as well. What's most important is what are the lyrics? What are you listening to and hearing and singing? I can vouch that the Jesus that Bill Johnson and his church, Bethel Church out of Redding, California, the Jesus that they propagate in Bethel music and Jesus culture is not the same Jesus of the Bible. With certainty and simplicity, I say that they move that God is an impersonal God who is for force and power and that the Jesus that they preach about and sing about is a denigrated one. His lordship is certainly minimized and the Holy Spirit is not one 
who is a person to be known, but he is a power to be had. And that's a misrepresentation of the Holy Spirit, and it goes on and on and on. Hillsong's pastor, Brian Houston, teaches a different gospel than that of the Bible. He advances what is known as the prosperity gospel, teaching that there is divine assurance for the prosperity and the health of those people who are in faith. False teachers like Houston claim that health and wealth are divine rights given to Bible-believing Christians and are brought about by faith as part of their salvation, believing that Jesus died not just to remove our sin, but to remove the plight of sickness and poverty as well, which is the opposite of what the Bible says and the followers of Christ in the New Testament experienced. And might I just add to the number of people that I know around the world that are in third world countries that are doing great things for the kingdom of God and seeing vast numbers of people come to salvation and seeing churches grow like immeasurably. Those people who are in poverty and face sickness by malaria and other diseases on a regular occurrence, I tell you that they have great upstanding faith in Jesus Christ and the scripture. It's an unraveling, if you will. And it is being sold throughout the world and being bought by the millions, including in our own community. Hillsong and Bethel embody and promote a theology that ranges from Joel Osteen to the hardcore word faith proponents like Kenneth Copeland and Bill Johnson and Todd Bentley. Hillsong and Bethel use their music as a hook to reel people into their heretical teaching. The word faith movement and their songs have become commonplace in the church. And I'm challenging us to be aware of that and stand firm in our faith and against the advancement of that kind of false doctrine. Serious-minded, Bible-centered Christians understand that people like Joel Osteen are false teachers. Osteen regularly takes the Bible out of context. He appeals to the self-centered flesh, never appealing like Jesus for people to become poor in spirit and to mourn over their sin and have meekness of heart and hunger and thirst for righteousness, never appealing for us to be merciful and pure in heart and to be a peacemaker and to even live faithfully under Christ as we are persecuted. Oh, he'll propagate a whole lot of riches, but they're all temporary and he'll challenge you to have all the things that Christ wants you to divinely have. But I can remind you that all those things will burn away in the end. And what stands is the fruit of the Spirit. I know that's offensive to people. I oh, ought not talk like that. You ought not call people out by name. My friend, I'm a shepherd. And a shepherd holds the staff in his hand. And the staff in the hand is meant to keep the wolves away. If we don't call the wolf what it is, then he'll come right in the midst of us. He promotes false teaching, exchanging the gospel of repentance and forgiveness of sins for worldly success and pleasures. He refuses to call sin what it is, urging people to come out of sin in repentance. Instead, he proclaims God's love for all people while he leaves them on a road of damnation. Here's a quote from one of his most popular books, Your Best Life Now. He says, we have to conceive it on the inside before we ever go, are going to receive it on the outside. If you don't think you can have something good, then you never will. The barrier is in your mind. 
your own wrong thinking can keep you from God's best. In other words, you must make increase in your own thinking. Then God will bring these, those things to pass. Can I ask you, can you find the Bible book chapter and verse that that references? Well, of course you can't because that's not the message of the Bible. Now, you might find that on a mystic guru's blog from India but you won't find that in the pages of the Bible because that is completely contrary to the sovereignty of God it's certainly contrary to all that we read about from the Old and the New Testament it's contrary when you read that it ought to resonate in you something's not right the scripture helps us to understand what God's truth is all about and Osteen is one of those who won't tell you what the scripture truly is. Nothing like those things in the Bible. Recently, Osteen was interviewed at the Association of Related Churches USA Conference at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham. Does that make you have question? Although not as blatant about it, Highlands promotes the word faith doctrine say they don't but listen to the preaching and you'll hear it much of what is available now in song and in book and in platform in the name of God is not biblically centered and if it is not biblically centered it is not from God I do my best to preach exegetical messages chapter by chapter verse by verse I can stand before you with all authenticity proclaiming that my goal in life is to know the scripture where I could communicate the scripture's truth. Do I get it right all the time? Absolutely not. Sometimes things come out of my mouth that I really didn't intend to come out of my mouth and sometimes the phrasing comes out differently than I wanted it to come. So I tell you, measure everything that I say to the Bible. And you ought to do the same for every song and every book and every other preacher proclaiming to speak God's words. Because God thinks it's important what we build on the foundation of Jesus Christ. God sees that as incredibly important. The enemy, of course, wants to bring an attack against that which is truly from God. So you and I recognize that mistakes are going to be made. Somebody ought to be calling the person making the mistakes out if that is regular. I think you ought to do that to me. Okay, if I misstep, come up before the choir does their number when that's not what I'm supposed to be, you don't have to tell me that. I already know that. If I misspeak and correct myself or later circle back around and correct myself, I pray to God that I can stand before him as one who is given truth and accuracy from this platform. But you don't have to point out every time I misspeak in some way. But let me tell you, if you sense in me a false doctrine, if you sense me an unbiblical way, then you have the responsibility and the duty to make it right. Some people are going to be offended because I call names out in this message. 
their own people ought to be calling out what needs to be called out. I say it to you. We're a small church. Going to have about 700 in worship today. We're a small church. I speak to my own people and to those who will have an engagement to carefully listen to every word and measure it to the truth of God's word. Be a good discerner with biblical knowledge of everything that is being promoted. Dr. Al Mohler says the tragedy that evangelicals have lost their biblical discernment must be traced to the disastrous loss of biblical knowledge. Discernment cannot survive without doctrine. I don't know when it happened, but somewhere in Western Christendom, doctrine became a bad word. Doctrine is biblical truth. And we should be rooted in it in all of its integrity. Now, if you're following along in the handout and you're saying, where is he getting all this stuff in the handout? None of this, can I have a handout, please? Uh, none of this is being called out from the handout. Thank you. I, I didn't necessarily do that intentionally. I just didn't want to take out the whole handout for my sermon notes. What I wanted you to have most importantly was what's in the handout, including the Meadowbrook Beliefs section. You're Christian not because your culture says if you're not Islamic, you're Christian. You're Christian not because you were raised in the South and we have churches everywhere. You're Christian not because your mom and dad are Christian or they brought you to church or because you attend here regularly or somewhere else. You are Christian because you believe the Bible and you live out the expressions of the Bible and that makes you like Christ. And when you are like Christ, then you are genuinely Christian. What you believe is essential. So here's some belief statements. Uh, shout out to Hunter Heinzman who helped develop this and uh, helped me to frame it up. Meadowbrook, the Bible is true and infallible revelation of God written by men who were divinely inspired. It has God's for, for its author, salvation for its end, and truth for its matter. It reveals the person and work of Jesus as the only hope for humanity and guides the Christian in all manners that pertain to this life and godliness. Meadowbrook is committed to preach and teach the whole counsel of God's word. The Bible reveals that there is one eternal God who is the sovereign over creation, revelation, redemption, and judgment. He is perfect in righteousness and love and eternally exists in three distinct yet equal persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. God the Father made a way for people to be adopted as his children through faith in his eternal son, Jesus Christ, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin, Though he was sinless, he was crucified for our sins and resurrected for our justification. God the Spirit actively exalts Christ Jesus, convicts people of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, illuminates biblical truth, indwells and empowers Christians to walk in Christ's righteousness, empowers them individually and collectively as the church to minister and permanently seals them until the day they acquire their inheritance given by grace. 
Mankind was created for the purpose of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. But as a result of man's willful rebellion, all people everywhere are totally depraved in nature, bound for eternal destruction and without hope apart from salvation by Christ alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Salvation is received when we turn from sin and turn to faith in Christ Jesus Christ, putting our full trust in his completed work on the cross. It is not gained or secured by works. Salvation includes regeneration, that is new spiritual birth from above, justification, the legal declaration of our righteousness, sanctification, the spirit-empowered growth in Christ's likeness, and glorification, the, accumul the accumulation of salvation and in our resurrected bodies in the new heaven and the new earth. Those who are spiritually born again by faith in Jesus Christ and are dwelt by the Holy Spirit persevere in the faith and develop an adoring love for God as they come to know him better. This love for God is revealed by one's love for his or her neighbor and in one's obedience to Jesus' commands found in Scripture. Meadowbrook and the other and other Christian churches are autonomous local congregations of baptized believers associated by covenant in the faith and fellowship of the gospel each member is responsible and accountable to Christ as Lord and the other members to support the church and its mission through faithful attendance spirit empowered service cheerful giving and holy living these are some of the elementary beliefs we have and that belief constitutes in us when it is accepted and exercised the term Christian. What God has been doing, He has been giving us the scripture so that we might have the right foundation for salvation in Jesus Christ. And He has given us the scripture so that we might know how to build our lives on that foundation and then it might stand and persevere through the refiner's fire. As a result, it would be like gold and silver and beauty. What God has been doing is he has been using the church to call people to Christ Jesus. He's using the church to build people in faith with the word that they might be stable and steadfast. And the enemy is coming against all of that. So be watchful. Oh, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Let the scriptures be deeply rooted in your thinking. Let it be an expression in your living. But be ever watchful because the enemy wants to keep you from faith and the enemy wants to choke out your faith. So help us, God, we pray. Would you join me? In this moment, Lord, I just pause to say thank you for all that you have given to us. First, in the scriptures that helped us to identify Jesus Christ as your Messiah, the Redeemer, the Reconciler, the Savior, the Lord. And he, by your movement of grace and deep love for us, has become the one on that cross bearing our sin taking your justice as wrath was being poured out and he is the one who graciously and generously 
gives us righteousness, having cleansed us from all unrighteousness. Our life, Lord, is given to him. And now we pray that he would continue to grow in us. Faith would abound. The structure that is being built on the Christ, the foundation, is the chief cornerstone, would be beautiful before you, right and true and holy and pure. And it would be ministries that would survive your refiner's test. And we pray in that, Lord, Jesus would be greatly glorified and your people bountifully rewarded for all the days of eternity. Oh, Lord, if there's some that you've brought into this place to quicken their heart, to come to you and surrender, I pray, Lord, that this would be the day of salvation. For others, we have been saved. But now, Lord, we're concentrating on being built up in our salvation. Let it be evident that our lives are given to that. And your work is moving mightily within us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.